Lord Jesus, we're just so grateful to be here this morning in your presence. And we're so grateful for all of the things that you've given us, the freedom that we have in you, Lord. And we enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open and all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name, amen. Almighty and merciful Lord, grant you absolution remission of all your sins true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace, consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy.
understand what things they ought to do, and also may have grace and power faithfully to accomplish them. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Be to God. Bless each one of them, Lord, and prepare them as they go to learn all about you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Good morning. Today's Old Testament lesson comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30, verses 9 through 14. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you, For good, as he rejoiced over your fathers. 
If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and to do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 25. Being in verse 4. Please respond by the whole verse. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. And your loving kindness, for they are from the Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness' sake, O Lord. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. So keep his covenant and his testimony. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. This morning's second lesson comes from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, commencing at verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, 
whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. God, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Thank you. And now for my next trick. Okay. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory Glory be be to thee, O Lord. St. Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But the man wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed... He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, 
I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the man said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. Set a fire down in my soul That I can't contain, that I can't control difficulties, tragedies, crises of our culture in this day of our lives. We just pray that we would get that message down inside of us to want you first, Lord, to seek you first. Pray that you'd open our eyes this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to start by tackling a very pertinent question, which is why does Jesse have a black eye? That's the first thing I have to get out of the way. I know if I was sitting out there, I would be wondering the entire time. Yes, there were ninjas involved. No. Uh, somebody tried to give me this great story, but I just don't think I could tell it as well as he did. Uh, long story short is I ran into some scaffolding with my face, and it's uh, not a highly recommended maneuver. Um, they don't teach you that when you go onto the construction sites, but uh, yeah, don't do that. Watch where you're going. Don't be distracted. Keep your eyes straight forward <laughs> as we enter into uh, this message this morning. We have this awesome gospel today that very, very easily can be like an Aesop's fable. It can be one of those stories that you've heard a thousand times. You learned it in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Every year, I think, you go over this at some point. In Sunday school, I'm sure they've learned it several times. And we can lose the meaning of the story in our familiarity. So I want to just ask you as we go through this to try and listen afresh. Because Jesus wasn't telling platitudes. He wasn't going out there and writing Hallmark cards as he told these parables. He had something important to tell us. 
Not just the people who asked, but us sitting in the pew today. There's things that Jesus said that we miss because we trivialize it. But this is the stuff that makes up the good life. Now, real quickly, I want to introduce this concept in case you haven't ever heard of this idea. But everyone in the world is trying to answer that basic question. What is the good life? How do you live a good life? And there's as many answers as there are people. Nine billion, I think, we're supposed to cap out at. I think we're around eight billion right now. There's that many answers to the question, what is a good life? And I want to argue that that was one of the things that Jesus was showing us. What is a good life? And so as we read this story, let's not read it as a moralistic uh, teaching to try and make sure that you're dotting your, what do you dot? I's dotting your I's and crossing your T's. This is not Jesus lecturing you on how to be a better Christian. This is Jesus inviting you into the good life. And so let's get, just dive in here in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. Fascinating. It's something that we hear all the time. Another thing that can easily become trivial as we have it memorized. We, we hear it uh, from the deacon every Sunday. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer had the right answer. In fact, all of us sitting in these pews have a lot of the right answers. I'll make it even clearer. In Deuteronomy, we had this passage that I wanted to pull out just a couple verses here that I, I love how God's tone comes across in this, right? For this commandment, which I command you today, is not too mysterious for you. It's not far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. It's almost like God's being a little sarcastic. It's like you guys are spending all this time trying to figure out the right thing to do. It's not mysterious. I've told you. The hard part isn't knowing what to do. The hard part is doing it. And that's the same problem this lawyer is running into, right? He wants the explanation What do I do to get into eternal life? What do I do to get the good life? He wants it laid out clearly. And Jesus goes, you know the answer. You answered rightly. Do it and you will live. But you know what? We often convince ourselves by pretending that it's harder than it is. Not to do it, right? Well, what should I do in this situation? Should I have this... uh, 
My go-to example is gluttony because, man, is it tempting in this day and age. There are really good foods around here. My dad just got a smoker for Father's Day, and we've been smoking brisket and ribs. And let me tell you, that second plate of smoked meat looks really good. And it's very confusing in the moment to know what is the right thing to do, even if something in me says, it's probably not right to take another plate of smoked meat today, Jesse. How many pounds can you fit in there? So the point here is we like to make it complicated when there's very simple answers. Not only that, but this is right. He's in Deuteronomy. He's like, you say somebody in heaven's going to come down and bring it to you. You actually do have somebody from heaven who has brought the law into your heart. That is the Holy Spirit. So if you're ever confused, my argument is this. Ask God and see what he will tell you. And you probably already know. Don't mistake this uh, complication, this confusion for actually not knowing. Maybe you just don't want to do it. I don't know about you guys, but I am very good about talking myself into what I think I should do. And the lawyer becomes even more relatable to us as his response. Jesus says, you've answered rightly. Now do it and you will live. You got it. The lawyer, wanting to justify himself, says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He thinks he's got him, ace in the hole. Well, how do I even know who my neighbor is? It's a great question. We struggle every day to decide who to love and who not to love. I'm really good at deciding who is not my neighbor. It's a lot harder to decide who is. Who am I willing to go the distance for? Who, when they call me and they want to move apartments, do I say yes to? Or who do I find a reason not to go? Oh, I'm real busy that day. I've got seminary. I've got all those things. It's easy to justify why we don't have any obligation to love those people, especially people we don't like. There's all sorts of division that we've been talking about over and over again here. The, the, if you just turn on the TV at any point in time, you will find a very clear list, if you listen carefully, of people you're supposed to not like, people you're supposed to not help. In fact, lately, we've been getting a lot of attention. All those dumb pro-lifers, those idiots who want to save the baby, don't they know how awful it is for a young pregnant mother In the midst of this conflict, it's easy for us to say, well, they villainized us. Why don't we villainize them? Those stupid people who murder babies. How much worse can you get? But unfortunately, Jesus doesn't give us that option in this story. So let's see what Jesus said. How are we supposed to position ourselves when we look out at the world? Who is supposed to be our neighbor? Who are we called to love even as we love ourselves? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. We're pretty used to authority figures having scandals in their life, in our culture. We're pretty used to denigrating authority. We're pretty used to complaining about the people who are in charge. And when we read this story, we miss some of the implications of what Jesus is saying. 
We're like, well, duh, it's a priest. Those filthy priests, those evil sinners pretending to be holy. Oh, look, it's a Levite. Well, that's like a lawyer, right? We don't trust lawyers. But what Jesus was saying was not that at all. He was saying, even the best of you who are the priest of the Most High God, even the best of you who know the law inside and out can miss God's work as they get distracted by the busyness of their own lives. Even the best of you can be blind to the right response in this moment. This is a teaching for us. He wanted you to know that even people who you look at as paragons of virtue can make this mistake of being so concerned with their life that they miss the person hurting next to them. How much more so do we miss the people around us who need us to look with compassion? So he continues, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was and he saw him and he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring oil and wine and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. We don't really have Samaritan class in our culture, in our society. Praise God, right? America is one of the least bigoted societies in the history of the world when it comes to our fellow man. We know that we are, at least we know we're supposed to treat everyone with a level of respect worthy of the image bearers of God. Fellow citizens, right? Back then, it was justified to hate Samaritans. They weren't guilty about it. They were like, yeah, these guys, they're awful. You could complain to your brother or your, you could go into the synagogue and say, man, those dumb Samaritans, and everyone would be on your side. It's hard for us to imagine that kind of anger. The closest I think we get nowadays is some of the hatred that you can see uh, toward against political parties and political divisions, right? You do see that come up some. Those dumb Democrats, those stupid Republicans, all of that is 100% in the same vein, the same spirit as the way that the Jews were thinking of Samaritans in this story. But it's hard for us to imagine how shocking that would have been in that moment as he's talking to a lawyer, somebody who knew the law and loved the law. He says, no, a Samaritan came along and he helped this man. Everything in his brain is working. He's like, how is this possible for the Samaritan to be the hero of the story? But the lawyer's willing, as most lawyers are, to follow the logic, right? He's, he has the answer when Jesus says, okay, which do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So instead of the desire of the lawyer, which is to draw a neat circle around which he can then say, anybody outside doesn't deserve my love, Jesus has completely flipped it on his head. In fact, the commandment doesn't hinge on the phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. It hinges only on the word, love. And that's what he shows in this, right? Because what is he saying? Is he saying Samaritans are also your neighbors? No, if you if all he needed to do that, then he could have said, well, a Samaritan was beat up and laying beside the road 
And then a Jewish man came down and helped the Samaritan. Look at how good he was for loving his neighbor. No, Jesus wanted to go further than that. He wanted to say that even the Samaritan can participate in the eternal life that the lawyer is out asking about if he participates in the love of God and the love of neighbor. It's subtly woven in here that God could have told the, the, the fun story, the one that the lawyer would have cheered for, would have been, yeah. And then a certain Jewish man came along and helped the Samaritan out of the pit. That's a story in which we get to be the heroes. Instead, the story is not to ask yourself, who is your neighbor? But to ask yourself, how can I be a man who when I see somebody in desperate need, I am moved with compassion? The point is about changing an internal reality, not an external duty, right? It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Are you the person who, when they see somebody hurting and broken, you are moved with compassion to act? It's deeper than the lawyer ever thought. You've got to remember, these are the Jewish people who had a rope, a red rope around next to their door for the Sabbath that they can measure out. How far can I walk from my door before I've broken the Sabbath? Right? They're trying to measure the law. All he wanted to know was a simple answer. Tell me who my neighbor is. And Jesus says, no, you misunderstand the law entirely. It's not meant to govern your actions. It's meant to transform your person. If you're a person who is Jesus-like, then you will act like Jesus. You don't need a list of rules. The command is within you. So now we're going to take this story one more time through and we're going to take it from a completely different perspective because I just gave you what I thought was a great interpretation of this story. But then I read some of the church fathers and you know what? There's a deeper level that makes this so much more important than a moral virtue teaching about how we need to be. There's a tradition in the church of asking yourself the question every time you read scripture, scripture where is Jesus in this story? That's central to all the parables. Where is Jesus in this story? And truly, in fact, in uh, this beautiful cathedral, they have this stained glass window and shark cathedral that shows. Do you know what story they pair the Good Samaritan with? They pair it with the story of the fall of mankind. Well, how does that make sense? Well, let's just run through this real quick and see what this story is even more deeply about. Not that it's not about everything we've said so far, but that there's a deeper reality that we get to see within this story. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. A certain man, he doesn't specify who this man is because it represents all of mankind. And where is he going? He's going from Jerusalem, the heavenly city, to Jericho, the city of sin. The city that's down by the Dead Sea at the lowest point in the region. He's falling from the heavenly city towards the city of sin. Sin shows him to be naked. He's stripped of his clothing. You see the parallel directly with the garden where they realize they are naked and they are ashamed. It robs him of his ability to choose good, to live the good life. It wounds him and leads to the curse of death. And it leaves him half dead. Another way that the church fathers talk about this is that the image of God on humanity in the fall is marred. And we are not, uh, C.S. Lewis says, we are half-hearted creatures. 
There's a sense before Christ where we are half dead. And now by a certain by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So what's the message here? The message is that the law and the sacrificial system are not enough to save us. That there was something deeper that God had to do to rescue the people. Mankind was fallen, broken, wounded unto death, and the law and the prophets was not enough to save us. Instead, we see a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and he had compassion. When he saw him, he had compassion. It's very easy when you see the, the parallel of the language here. All throughout the Luke, he says, and he saw him and he had compassion. That's the, that's, what does he say, who does he say that about? He says that about Jesus. Over and over again, who does Jesus cast himself as? The outcast, a man scorned by all and despised by the people. Jesus cast himself in that role so that we might find in the outcast his image. So he went to him, and what does Jesus do? He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And we see a beautiful foreshadowing of the sacraments. In baptism, you are anointed with oil. In your confirmation, you're anointed with oil. In the praying for the sick, we anoint you with oil. And then we participate. What's the wine? The wine is the cup of the sacrament. You see, there's so much deeper going on, richer in this parable than just, you should be better. You should love people more. No, Jesus is trying to explain far deeper than that. Because you know what the, what was the lawyer's question? What must I do to have eternal life? Jesus didn't forget that question. He didn't give him another rule. He's actually explaining something deeper than that. He's saying, in order to have eternal life, you need Jesus to come into your life and heal you. And he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. The church fathers interpreted the inn as the church. Where does he bring them to have healing? Our church down in Oceanside recently changed their name to Christ the Healer. Part of the ministry of the church is to bring in the broken, the outcast, the lost, the lonely, and to bring healing to them through the administration of the sacraments, through the compassion and love, through the healing power of introducing them to Jesus. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. You see beautiful symmetry here as the payment represents the redemption. What does the word redeem mean? Well, it has this alternate meaning, basically repayment, to pay the price that we owed. So he not only brings us in to heal us and to raise us up, but he pays the price that we owe. And when he comes again, he will repay all. And unlike a lot of the ways that people like to talk about the second coming of Christ, what we're shown in the scriptures is that when he comes again, it is a message not only of judgment, but of the greatest hope where every tear shall be wiped away. He will repay not just our sins, but he will also salve our wounds. He will bring the fullness of healing that repays every tragedy that we've ever experienced. And so then the question comes, so which three of these do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer says, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. 
And we come full circle to where it's not only a story of what Jesus has done for us, but it's also the same encouragement we get throughout all of Scripture. Go and be like me to the world. Be the good Samaritan. Be perfect as I am perfect. What does that mean? That means be loving. Be Walk around with your eyes open that you can look with compassion and act. Who is our neighbor? Instead, ask, how can I be so shaped by love that I see the hurting and the broken and I react with compassion? But since none of us are good except God alone, the story is about what Christ has done in us, even more than it's about what we are called to do for others. Take heart. He is in charge of your healing. He's in charge of your equipping. The work he has begun in you, he will bring to completion. Ultimately, yes, walk out of this room, hopefully thinking about, man, who am I ignoring in my life who needs me? Who has God put in my path that I might react with compassion and love? But more than anything, go out of here knowing that you have been healed and redeemed by him and that nothing you do could ever lose that. That guilty voice, that shame that says, well, you're not good enough. This is a message for somebody else. You're not strong enough, all that. Lay it on the altar because he's already paid the price. Ultimately, this is a story of hope. And although I don't know if the lawyer ever got it, what he was saying was, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You who try and carry the law on your backs, come to me and I will give you rest. Amen? Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory, to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. When Jesus let us lift up our needs in those of the whole world before God, the Father of us all. That the church will boldly preach the kingdom of God is at hand. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
that the people of God will carry out the great command to love one another as Christ has loved us. Lord, in your mercy, the governments will acknowledge that their authority and the people's basic human rights come from God and not man. Lord, in your mercy, that we, like the Good Samaritan, will exemplify the compassion of Christ toward the poor, the sick, and the helpless. Lord, in your mercy, that bishops, priests, and deacons ordained to proclaim the gospel will never hesitate to speak out against evils in society. Lord, in your mercy, that we, like Epaphras, will be faithful ministers of Christ and servants to to his people. Lord, in your mercy, that those who are searching for their purpose in life will find it through a meaningful relationship with Jesus. Lord, in your mercy, you're the God of our salvation. Hear our prayer. Give us the grace to be transformed into the image of your Son. And in his name we pray, amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor to peace. What do we have for announcements? Well, it's, it's good to be home. Uh, my family and I just got back from Mexico. Um, and uh, to a few, I guess, uh, some sad news, though, that we lost uh, Serena Madison. And so most of the announcements that I have for you this morning are that there's going to be some services this week. Well, good. Um, Tuesday uh, here... We'll be having a viewing and a rosary uh, from 5 to 6 p.m. And Wednesday will be the funeral. And I believe that's at St. Edward's. Okay. Uh, and that'll be at 11 a.m. So it is with heavy hearts we're going to attend those services. But they're, they're uh, so much for us, even more for her. <laughs> so I encourage you to come. Amen. And I hope you're all enjoying uh, the summer. Living in San Clemente is a treat in itself. And I think to live here in the summer is to be heaven on earth. Amen. Go ahead, Phil. Um, just a, another continual plug for the society in terms of this summer. Summer months were, uh, especially right now, we have a lot of people gone uh, on vacation. Mexico is the biggest destination place right now. So uh, you'll notice a lot of our uh, friends and family members are gone. And so uh, we're asking if you could come out on Mondays to help us out. And like the message we heard this morning and the gospel reading, these are this is an opportunity to reach out to people who are in the ditch and to minister to their needs. And a lot of these people we wouldn't normally associate with ourselves. We would uh, 
you know, this wouldn't, they wouldn't be the uh, social group or whatever. We, we wouldn't normally be with them. But these are people who are in desperate need. And many of them have been coming to us to ask us to pray for them and to seek more about God. And in many ways, they minister back to us in our own hearts. Uh, they change us by being there. So please come. We'd love to have you there Monday at uh, 3.30 would be best. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's not a breath that I haven't heard, not a tear that I shed that you didn't feel. You're the God who comes to raise the dead. I know you raise me up again. I know you raise me up again. Who can praise you from the grave? I die to see the life you gave. Just to see the life you gave. Every fear in me you've put to rest. It's the song I bring of your faithfulness. Every tears let me feet to stand where the ocean meets the land, where the ocean meets the land.
song to sing, and I will sing it. Give me a song to sing. Give me a song to sing. Give me a song to sing, and I will sing it to with you and with your spirit lift up your heart we lift them up to the Lord let us give thanks to the Lord our God father all-powerful ever-living God we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord through his cross and resurrection he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory. We join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's given up to death, a death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. Christ Christ is is risen. And Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig and all of the clergy. Remember, especially those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body that we hold up this day, Susan and Naomi and Sonia and Sandra and Karen and Tammy, Denisha, Daniel, Ron, Bob, Henry, the Madison and White families, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve around the world in our armed forces. You may have names of those that you are praying for. Pray for Papa. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage as we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The two. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb.
pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast in the hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel, God is in Christ Jesus reconciling the world, not counting men's sins against them. He loves us, he's forgiven us, he's not mad at us, and he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you, remain with you always. Amen. Let's go into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.